entrepreneurs, I'm excited to bring to you today Jeff Rendell, who has been a friend and colleague and mentor of mine for many years. We break down with Jeff some of what he does for his morning routine on how he gets set up for success every day. He's currently a vice president at Cultivate Advisors, and they have been on the Inc. 5000 list for the last three years running. You're going to hear about how Jeff has personally overcome adversity and how that impacts his business approach, his approach to vision planning, leading through influence, and much more. You're going to enjoy this from Jeff Rendell. Hey, Jeff, welcome to the Entrepreneurs United podcast. For those that may not know, Jeff and I worked together for a period of... Uh, what was it, Jeff? Was it about nine years? And I yep. worked as Jeff's direct report for seven of those. And I would consider Jeff to be both a friend and a mentor of mine. So really happy to have Jeff on and pick his brain for John's and my benefit today, as well as the uh, the listeners we have. I appreciate it. It's, uh, you know, I've listened to a bunch of work that you guys have done. And to be honest, I was nervous to come on with some of the people that you've had on before going, well, I haven't written a book. Like I, you know, like what am I going to talk about? So, um, but I just, I got faith and belief that, you know, there's someone listening that will take something away from our conversation today that'll make an impact in their world. And that's why I was willing to say, sure, I'll do it and put my faith that we'll, we'll have some good discussion. Jeff, I also think it's because we believe there's a book in you somewhere. We just got to get it out. <laughs> you know, that's funny. I've been told that a couple of times and, you know, maybe like a ghostwriter to help me or something like that. But uh, man, it's that's a daunting process. Well, we, we had a former podcast guest who we may be able to hook you up with, who may be able to do some ghostwriting for you. I was going to ask John, because I think I remember listening to that one. And John, you were saying that that may be a path that you would look at. So have you taken that forward at all? Uh, not officially, uh, but I certainly, you know, part of one of the learnings we had in these podcasts way early on was the writing every day and okay. taking 20 minutes, blank sheet of paper and just write every day. And I've been doing that fairly religiously now for a year and a half, almost two years. Uh, and there's a lot there, just like we talked about, like just a lot of learnings. And, and even through these podcasts, Rich and I talk about it a lot through these conversations in our subconscious, it just brings back a whole bunch of other things we remember that we learned, but we kind of forgot about uh, and refreshes the memory. So it's been great. Well, I'll tell you that it forced me in this process over the last couple of days um, because I couldn't get on here and just kind of wing things. Like that's just not the way I, I wouldn't have slept for the last week if that was the case. So literally like I had to go and put together like, you know, notes of like, okay, what would I want to share? What are some experiences? What are some stories? Because they're all there, but you know, unless I kind of take the time to write them down and stuff like that, then that I won't remember. So, so well, I got to say, there's an example of a lesson that I have learned from you is every time you have an opportunity to work with and speak to others, whether it be small group on a podcast, a group of a thousand on a stage, you are one of the best prepared people. Uh, and you prepare like heck in the beginning, and then you're just really present when the event actually goes on. So that's one of the uh, notes that I've taken from you in our time together. So with that, why don't we, uh, can we have you introduce yourself to some of the listeners who may not know you and just a little bit about your story and where you are today and how you found yourself there? Sure. So I guess, you know, I've been on this entrepreneur journey or leading and supporting entrepreneurs for probably almost 30 years now. 
Um, and it started back in uh, when I was 18 years old, freshman at the University of Waterloo. You know, we can all share this common piece of that, you know, that college pro beginning. Um, I was in the co-op program. So I was looking to make money while I was going to college to be able to pay for it. And uh, so I'm in the co-op program. And every day you would have to go during this certain season and you'd read a list of like 30 or 40 job opportunities and you'd slide your resumes in these like envelope or these slots and you'd apply for these jobs. And I, you know, come coming in, leading up to, I was like, man, like, how am I going to differentiate myself? Like, it's just, you know, it was a big school of computer programming and all and engineering. And I'm like, I don't have any of that. So what I did was I actually put my picture on the top corner of my resume to try and stand out. And so just, so that's, so I would go and I applied all these jobs It happened for about a week. And then you start to get callbacks. I only got two callbacks, mm -hmm. college pro painters and action window cleaning. And those were the only two that must've looked at this guy and said, okay, well, we got to at least talk to this guy. Like he's bold, you know, he's either full of beans or maybe he's got some confidence. Um, but so I started, uh, that was my first summer with college pro, I uh, spent, you know, three years as, as a franchisee full-time after that I moved to the U.S. college pro moved me to the U.S. Uh, I branched out and worked with Serta pro for 10 years was a partner there as well and then about uh, three and a half years ago I made the move to cultivate uh, to be able to just continue this passion of of helping young uh, entrepreneurs whether they're early in their stage or you know whether they're trying to exit the business. Well, that brings up a whole nother topic that we won't jump into necessarily, but you and John have that in common, coming from Canada and then coming over uh, to the U.S. Yeah, I, I was connected with me for the first time. And yep. John and I were franchisees at the exact same time, but we never, we, did, we didn't meet until 2018, like literally 20 years after we were franchisees. Yep. So it's crazy. Well, yeah, because yeah. I was a franchisee in the U.S. system. You were a franchisee in the Canadian system. That's right. And then, you know, things kind of came back full circle in the U.S., but yeah. And here we all are. <laughs> exactly. Talk to us, uh, Jeff, about some of the things that really light your fire and you're really passionate about maybe these days. Um, well, I think uh, one of the biggest things that is most important to me, if you say, hey, Jeff, what's your why? It's about helping people live their greatest life, both personally and professionally. Right. And I know that we'll get into kind of the professional stuff and the, you know, the transitions that I've had over time. But, you know, like I really do believe and all the entrepreneurs I work with, like it starts with it starts with yourself and being healthy yourself and, and having that strong, you know, those those routines, uh, strong faith, balance. Um, you know, like everyone goes through a ton of adversity. And I would say I've probably gone through more adversity uh, personally. Than I have professionally, but I think it's it's this balance, and I've learned through you know tragedy personally on you know how to then deal in in the business world, right? So for you know I mean Rich, you you know we know each other well. Like you know my mother was killed in a car accident when I was five years old. My dad took his own life a month before my seventeenth birthday. Um, you know, like those things really do shape you, right? For for the the rest of your life. I didn't have healthy practices personally in place, then I'd be a wreck. Like <laughs> I really would. Like it, I can remember elementary school. I had dyslexia. I was going to speech therapy as as an elementary kid, and then you know, lo and behold, I'm 
you know, doing uh, public speaking and touring the city, you know, with, uh, you know, doing public speaking, winning for the school and moving on. And I'm 16 years old and I'm doing my eulogy for my father in front of a packed, you know, church. Like, you know, like it's just everything happens for a reason. And I think having those strong foundations on your day-to-day routine can get you through so much. You know, I'm curious. I think I was there the first time you shared that about your parents and it was at a uh, skill development summit. Mm -hmm. And I remember you showed news article and, and that type of thing. I'm curious about that journey for you because that wasn't something that you talked about a lot or you shared openly or I mean, and here you are on the podcast in the first 10 minutes, and that's something that's part of your story that you've become comfortable sharing. What has that journey been for you of um, being comfortable with that and reckoning with that? And what has that meant to your professional life that you had said some of the challenges you've had personally, you've been able to translate over into professional benefit? Yes. Well, it has taken a long time right, to be able to be comfortable to, to kind of share. But I think, like, you know, this uh, leaders need to not have this facade, right, and that everything is okay, and everything's been perfect. You, you know, like, I'm not a big Instagram guy or Facebook or anything like that, because, you know, I just, that's not the real individual that you're seeing on there a lot of the time, right? So I think it's important for us more to share who who we truly are and and that everyone has been punched in the face and kicked in the gut and, and had challenges. And these are my challenges and they're no, no harder or easier than anyone else. Like, you know, so I just like to be able to kind of have that, that perspective. And when I see someone and they're having a really tough day or they lash out at me or something, I just go, Hmm, there's something else going on there. I don't know what it is, but I'm going to give them the grace because right. Like we're all just trying to live and do our best. Well, and I know you've had some of a journey of faith yourself. Mm -hmm. And it's since you've had some of that journey that um, some of this reconciling and feeling kind of more comfortable with your own history has come about. What's the role that faith has played in that for you? Yeah, I appreciate you asking that. Um, You know, it's one of the things I go back to, I think of college, so I was playing college, college football. I was in my second year, go out to practice and uh, one of my own teammates breaks my scapula in practice. So I'm in my second year. I break my scapula uh, like three games into the season. I'm distraught. Like there's nothing worse that could have happened to me in that, in that moment. Um, lo and behold, what I'm going to therapy, trying to get better. We've got a game coming up. Like it's like four weeks later against our rivals, the city that I left to go play at a different school. And the coach, I go in after Friday practice, I've been kind of playing and trying to get through and my Jersey's not hanging up in my locker. And that means I'm not dressing the next day. And I was putting all my effort, everything to be able to play that game, going back to my hometown to play. I was distraught. I marched into my coach's office. I'm crying. I'm like, how can you like, I was distraught, right? It's like, at that age, you know, I didn't know the emotion and everything. Lo and behold, what happened to me over that four week, five week period when I was going through therapy, my soon to be wife was in the therapy clinic. She was a kinesiology student. And she was partnered with the, the football team. And I built a relationship with with her over that time period. And here we are, been married for over 20 years, have three wonderful children. And it's like, if that didn't happen, maybe the rest of my life doesn't happen the way it is. Right. So like, 
there's so many of those things that have happened to me over, over, over the years of what, like when I moved to Michigan, you know, issues with my daughter's health and we were just at the right hospital, like miles away from where we needed to be and moving to Michigan to, or to Arizona to land a great church. And, the, you know, like, it's just everything I do believe happens for a reason. We just don't know at the time and we got to be patient and kind of sit in some pain sometimes. Jeff, love to bring this, you know, what you talk about in this adversity and you mentioned earlier, something along the lines of like the adversity I've faced personally, you know, is much bigger than what I faced professionally. And, and now as you work with entrepreneurs and you hear about some of their labor pains, right? Yeah. Oh, this happened and that happened. I'm assuming that you can provide them a really good fresh dose of perspective. Mm -hmm. Is that something that you work with a lot of entrepreneurs? Cause I mean, I'm sure that from a business side, not too much probably rattles you because you can look at perspective in life and go, look, things happen for a reason here. Um, you know, you think your problem's bad. Yeah. Let's put these in perspective. Yeah. And I would say, John, that the thing that I try and work with, whether it's someone that, you know, I, I'm supporting, you know, as a client or whether it's someone on our internal team is not to go, hey, woe is me. And hey, it's, it could be a lot worse, but it's like, OK, do you have a, a healthy setup outside of, of business? So personally, so like what does balance look like for you? Um, what does your daily routine look like? What does your faith look like? Um, you know, one of the things that I have done probably over the last almost a year now is I've blocked Wednesdays off where I don't I don't schedule meetings on Wednesdays. So I no longer I'll do some project stuff. I'll work in, you know, maybe a little catch up, but I'll also get a longer run in or a longer activity or I'll meet up with a friend for lunch or something like that to give me that kind of that break throughout the week. And I've got a client that has actually adopted that now. Like we've talked about it. And he's adopted that. And he's a guy that I love to go for runs with. So at any point, I can be like, hey, you want to go for a run on a Wednesday? I know he's available. Um, right. So I think that that is is something having boundaries and having your calendar set up. Um, I've got a great morning routine. I wouldn't say I got a great evening routine. I'm, I'm still kind of trying to work, work on that. But, you know, my morning routine and I'll, I'll share that openly with with individuals to be like, hey, what's what's that look like for you and how can we help? Because I think just having that, yeah, that right mind space, you can't give what you don't have. So if someone doesn't have a clear mind and a healthy kind of start to their day, it's hard to go and help people throughout the day. I yeah, that's I a great that. place to dig in. What's your morning routine? Uh, so morning routine, uh, first thing, I'm usually up around 630. First thing is my Bible app. So I'll pull that out. The, the, the quote of the, the, the verse of the day, there's a quick little video with it. There's a little devotional. Um, so that, I mean, that's 15 minutes max. All right. Uh, and then I will go and do some journaling. John, you mentioned that earlier, right? Like journaling or reading. So I've always got kind of two books on the go, a faith-based book and a business book. And I'll just rotate. Like I won't read journal, like read both books every day, but there's one of those three that I pick up and it's just kind of where my mind said that, what I feel I need that day. I always have a pen in my paper. When I'm reading, I'm always making notes. Um, again, I don't have a great memory, so I, I need to write stuff down for it to resonate. So I'm always, I'm always reading. Um, then I'll sit down and I do about 15, 20 minutes of email. So while I'm having my pre workout drink or my coffee, I'll go through and just clear the email so that that's good to go. Uh, and then I'll go get my exercise in. So I schedule 90 minutes a day to go get my exercise in. So whether that's running, biking, going to the gym, whatever it, it may be that day. 
Uh, and then I got my green smoothie when I get back and then I jump, jump into my calls. So that's my tight like that. I do that 95% of, of my days. And as I said, I still got to work on my morning or my evening routine because that's watching the news with a glass of wine. And I know I could do better than that. <laughs> Love it. And so, Jeff, you know, there's a few big takeaways right off the bat. And by the way, if anybody wants to take no meeting Thursdays, I'm available for, gar- for golf this spring and summer. So uh, let Perfect. me know. But, um, you know, strong foundation is resonating, right? You need to have strong balance, uh, routines, faith, and, and all that kind of stuff. You need to have a strong foundation. You know, another component is, look, we're all going to face adversity. And, and really, you got, if you don't have that strong foundation, it may make that part a little more difficult to process mm-hmm. and, and to to go through. And I think the last piece, you know, not the last piece, but another key point I got here is vulnerability. Just, you know, we got to be more vulnerable. We get, you know, stop putting a face on or facade. Like you are yeah. who you are and realize that sometimes people are going through things and, and have to overcome them. And, and maybe you're there to help them and lead them in certain ways uh, through that path. Right. Yeah. So some of the key yeah. points that I've, I've gotten so far, bring me back to cultivate advisors now. So mm-hmm. You know, wh- where is Cultivate Advisors going? I know you guys have been growing pretty fast. I know, I, I think yes. I saw Inc. 5000 in terms of fast growing companies. Mm-hmm. Uh, Liz, can you tell us a little bit more about what that business does exactly, how you're working with entrepreneurs today and what you're trying to do with that business more specifically? Yeah, great. I appreciate uh, you asking. Yeah, we've been Inc. 5000 the last three years in a row now. Uh, so when, you know, when I joined, I think we were at uh, 15, 16 advisors. Uh, as of today, we're at 55 um, right. We've got uh, about 465 active clients right now that we're working with and we're partnered with each and every month. So um, we made our first acquisition last fall, which was really exciting. Um, at the heart of what we do with business, owners, we always start at financials. So in our advising methodology, we always start with financials at the heart. So lo and behold, our first acquisition was going out and, and acquiring a bookkeeping company. So uh, Breakwater Accounting. So they have now in, in the fold with us. Um, so we really go out and help business owners uh, propel their business beyond expectations. Now, we only work with business owners that want to grow and want to move their, their business forward. Because why the heck would you pay and spend the time with an advisor if you don't want to take your business to a different spot? So we get business owners that want to move their business but are challenged in some way. And, and our methodology, as I said, really starts around financials. But then for, for all entrepreneurs, regardless what industry you're in, we, there's always this back and forth of like, are you in growth mode or are you like trying to figure out capacity? And if we've got a business owner that's in growth mode, we're going to focus on sales and marketing, sales and marketing. If they've got that figured out, it's like, oh my goodness, we've got all this work coming in. What We can't handle it all. Then we flip over to the other propellers, which is recruiting and leadership. And that helps build the capacity, right? Now, running through all of that is productivity. So those are the six areas, or we call them our propellers, that we focus with business owners on. We look at financials first at the heart of the matter. And then you've got the growth side, sales and marketing. The, you've got the capacity side, recruiting and leadership. And through that all, you've got productivity. Love it. So that, that's how we, you know, work and, and advise businesses uh, each and every day. Okay. I, I want to dive, if I can, just a little bit deeper through that. I, I certainly get, you know, the major theme and I'm assuming entrepreneurs that are listening to this podcast fit in that category. If you're not trying to grow your business or get somewhere with your business, then why are you listening? Or why are you hiring cultivated <laughs> yeah. advisors, right? You're, yeah. We're assuming that you are in that bucket. 
But um, let's let's start first with financials. Why exactly do you start there yes. versus starting on whether they have a growth or capacity issue or starting somewhere else? Why do you start there? Yeah, I, I, for the health of the business, like we could go look at the stats. And again, I said my memory's not great, but like it's astounding how many businesses go out of business in the first three to five years, mm-hmm. right? And how actually how many businesses actually make it to the the ten year mark. And at the end of the day, if you don't have a financial model that works. Like whatever your widget is, if you've got a financial model and you're not making enough on your widget to cover your overhead, I, you, you, you just, you're going to go out of business, right? If you're not looking at your financials and making decisions based on financials. So as an advisor, how could I ever come in and give a business owner advice without looking at their P&L, without knowing their balance sheet, without seeing their cash flow? So any of the listeners that are out there as a, you know, as a business owner, if you're not deep in your financials, right, you need to be. And if, if that's not your forte and you just go, I'm just not a financial person. I, you know, it's like I, I live by how much is in my bank account. Go find someone that can bring and put, you know, a, a, you know, a spotlight on your financials and can help you because that will that'll make everything. Yeah, no doubt. I I share that thought as well. I mean, it's hard to, if your passion is to propel your business beyond their expectations, but you have no idea what's going on on the financial side of it, you have a really hard time executing that. So I get it. Uh, On the second and third one, are you in growth mode? Are you in capacity mode? If you're listening to this, how do you know? How do you know if you're on growth or capacity? What what are some indicators you have as an advisor to be like, okay, you're, you're over here versus over here? Yeah, great uh, question. I mean, we're going to look at first systems in place, right? Like, you know, do you have solid foundation of your systems on on sales and marketing? All right, because the other thing that we look at, and every business owner has an entrepreneurial journey, right? And we've coined them, and you know, of what what we kind of feel this this journey is, right? And someone will move from being a hustler, right, just being all by themselves, to then they're becoming an experimenter, where they're actually maybe they're starting to bring on their first or second or employee. And then they become more that visionary. Now they're actually getting some systems in place. And then, you know, they're starting to really go in after acquisition of talent and, and recruiting. And then they become a systemizer where they're actually putting things in place. And they're starting to get a leadership team. And then eventually they become this influencer, right? And now they're like, okay, well, how am I protecting this business? What am I doing to create other good outside of the business? I got my, you know, I'm out of the day-to-day fully. Um, so I think... That plays into John when you ask the question of how do I know where I'm where I'm at? Am I trying to go after you know growth or capacity? It's kind of like where are you in your journey plays a role into it. And then what are your goals and what are your financial goals? So if your financial goals are to make two hundred and fifty thousand and have a one point four million dollar business and you're doing two hundred and fifty grand right now, well heck, it's all about sales and marketing, right? It's all about sales and marketing. If you're at your, you know, your threshold of that 1.3 million, but you're pulling your hair out because you're working 85 hours a week and you got a ton of turnover, well, geez, yeah, you got to work on recruiting and leadership. So it ties into your journey, ties into your goals, uh, where you're at. Uh, those are the kind of things that I'm thinking about when I'm connecting with a new, a new business owner. Jeff, what I love about what Cultivate Advisors is doing is, you know, there's certainly a lot of really strong uh, entrepreneurial slash executive coaches that we've met mm-hmm. with and continue to meet with and and do phenomenal work. Uh, heavily focused on, you know, that individual, their leadership skills. You know, maybe even some of the things we talked about before in terms of their foundation. Uh, but they're focused on the individual. What what I love about what you 
are doing from an advisory perspective is you're really jumping in as a, as an entrepreneurial coach for that entrepreneur mm-hmm. on some of the business fundamentals, I guess, the, the financials, the sales and marketing, the recruiting, the, what systems do you have? Uh, it's, it's a different type of coaching. Mm-hmm. It's coaching more for the business than for the individual, which I really, really love. Um, and if, if you talk about this entrepreneurial journey for a second, hustler, experimenter, visionary, systemizer, influencer, those five different phases, where are most of your customers, what zone are they in? Yeah, great, great question. I mean, we definitely have clients that are in all of them, but I would say that that experimenter and visionary, that early stage is where we have a lot, you know, a lot of our clients are in in that stage and they're trying to get to that next level. They're like, hey, help me, right? Help me get to where I am an influencer and I have a leadership team and I'm out of the day to day, right? Like they're wanting, that's their aspiration. That's their vision, right? Because that kind of fits what, you know, working, what we work with, with clients is trying to move to that, to that stage. So I would say that's, you know, but I mean, I've got clients that literally I've been working with since day one, when I joined Cultivate within my first month, they became clients and they're still with me almost four years later. And we're still on that journey together. And, you know, they're still fighting capacity and growth year after year, depending on, you know, how the year is and all business owners, I've yet to meet anyone, and I'm not perfect myself either, that has a handle on all six of those areas, all those propellers. And like everyone needs a little touch up, right? In air, a little lift up. Uh, outside perspective is also because you can be so honed in and feel like you, you're a 10 out of 10 on marketing, but you know, get some outside perspective and you'll realize, oh, I do have some opportunity. There are some opportunities where I could, you know, kind of tweak my marketing. And that's the big thing that we do is we provide entrepreneurs outside perspective, which is a big challenge that a lot of business owners don't go and do. They don't get that outside perspective. And it doesn't have to be an advisor. There's lots of ways that you can get outside perspective. But I think as a business owner, that is so critical. You had talked about some of your clients you've retained since day one. And I know on the other side of that coin, a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with who are the clients they don't want to take. So I'm curious, have you ever fired a client? And if you have, without exposing uh, who that is, why did you fire the client? And what are your criteria to identify somebody who isn't good to work with for you? Yes. So I would say there's there's two that come to mind and absolutely won't won't share names or anything like that. Um, but at the end of the day, they're not fun to work with, right? Like we get these some of these entrepreneurs or you know we all know people that are these naysayers or like you know you give them advice, you give them perspective, and they're just not open to it, right? And they may say they're open to it, but at the end of the day, they're not going to take action. So if I'm going to sit across and have you know my two meetings a month and go deep with this business owner and invest my time and my energy and my passion, my heart, and they're not going to take action on it, then it's like, what are we doing here, right? Like this, this isn't just about a paycheck. Like this is about really making a difference. So I would say that's number one is if they're just not open to change, that's that's not that's not going to work. Um, and I would say that that's probably the biggest one. That where I would go, you know what, like, I only have so much time, I only got so much, you know, hours in the day, so much time on this earth, like, I got to be working with people that I love and that I enjoy and that are sharing my same passion about moving the business forward. 
Um, so I think that that's, that's when I realized I go, this isn't working. And maybe it's just, maybe it's, it's a better advisor, right? So we do move clients from advisor to advisor if something's not working, because maybe it's just a, you know, there's a bit of a personality piece that we need to kind of figure that out. Um, so that, that happens as well. Well, I'll ask a question that I know I'm setting you up because it's in a sweet spot of yours after having worked together for the number of years that we did. The first thing you said was, they're just not fun to work with. Mm-hmm. And then you expanded on they're not open to change because, you know, assuming change and people acting on the consulting, that's fun. But the first thing you keyed in on was they're not fun to work with. Here's the setup question, because I know how important it is to you, but I'd love for our listeners to grab some nuggets from it on the importance of fun for Mm -hmm. you in your work. And my hope is that some of our listeners will be able to translate some of what fun means to you and your work and how you go about having fun and that they may be able to do some of the same. I I just generally think we could all use a little more fun in our lives. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm always up for that, right? Absolutely, Rich. And I, I would say, for me, like, what, what's in my DNA? What am I passionate about? I love to exercise. I exercise every day, right? Like that, I don't go a day without it. Whether it's hiking, biking, swimming at the gym, playing basketball, like it's something. Um, so for me, what I like to do when I bring my team together is we're going to go out and we're going to do some activity. We're going to do something physical. Right. So I had our new advisors into Phoenix. Uh, this was about uh, six weeks ago. And it's for me, any meetings when we come together in person is 50 percent play and 50 percent work. So they came in. It was just a quick trip. But the morning we were going for a hike. So I was taking them to Wind Cave uh, Trail and we were going on a hike in the Usury Mountain. And that's what we were doing for three hours uh, for the day uh, in the morning. And then we come back, get cleaned up. And then the afternoon was all about work. We were doing initial calls. We were doing coaching events. We were, you know, working on the business. Same thing. Our whole team is doing a retreat in April. So it's coming up here in three weeks. We're going to be going to Dillon, Colorado. One day is all meetings. The second day, some groups going skiing. I don't ski. So I'm taking a group on fat bike tires, uh, fat bikes. We'll ride those for four hours. We'll meet up for dinner. We're going to go throw axes. Like I just, we, you know, we'll, we stay in a house together. Right. So we got this 12 bedroom house. We're getting too big. So we don't all fit there. So I got a motel with five rooms down the street as well, because we've kind of outgrown this cool place that we've gone to before. But it's like getting people together. We cook together. We clean together. We live together for a couple of days. And I mean, Rich, you and I have experienced that many, many times over. So, uh, you know, again, what works for me isn't necessarily going to work for all the listeners or all the leaders out there. But find out what works for you. Like I hike, I went on a four hour hike with a client two weeks ago on a Wednesday. I've gone mountain biking with another local client here two or three times. Um, so it's like finding out what works for me and connect. Now I, I can also run uh, a book stuff. We've done that before, right? Or a podcast, I will listen to a different podcast and discuss it. So it doesn't always have to be physical, but as you know, that, that that's definitely usually where I lean. Well, I know you still do uh, hiking in the Grand Canyon with current and former clients. I do have to remind you that most of the fun experiences we had when we went off site, they were a little bit more sedentary. Uh, we did zip lining together. We did. We yeah. did uh, four by fouring in the sand dunes of uh, uh, Utah. Yes. So I. Our listeners could probably appreciate when you do those types of experiences with people who you have a professional relationship with, 
That's why one of the first things I said about Jeff is he is a friend of mine and a mentor of mine, and he holds both positions in my world. And it's easy to do that when fun is a value that you bring to the workplace. And, and it's not just something that shows up on a sign. It's something that you act on. It doesn't even, as, as a matter of fact, I don't think it shows up on a sign in your office or at a sign in Cultivate, right? But it's a value you operate through that you barely need to talk about because people experience it when they're in your presence. Yes. And, and, and I think it, it goes a long way. It, it really, it really does. Uh, these relationships when you're living, cooking with someone like we've done that, right? Like that, that makes a significant difference. We think of our flight group program at the, you know, back in the, you know, the Serta Pro days, those are still strong at Serta. Like it's those relationships and those connections is what really matters. Well, I want to come back to this fire to client piece on another part. You said somebody who's not open to change is somebody who you would fire as a client. They're not acting on the advice. Mm -hmm. In a place like that as a leader, because although at Cultivate, you're a hired consultant, you are still a leader. You are working with them and leading them and uh, coaching them. So what is the place that influence versus power holds? And again, the context I ask this from is, I know there are a lot of entrepreneurs that look at it like, hey, it's my business. I call the shots. Do it because I said so. And, uh, you know, it's my livelihood that's on the line. This is my whatever, 401k, my house that I put on the line. I said it has to be done this way, which is a very power-oriented way to lead. I'm assuming you don't lead that way when you have a client who's not acting, Uh, just based on knowing you, but I'd like you to speak to that juxtaposition and maybe the importance of leading through influence. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think, you know, we we can all kind of go down that spiral and come to a position of power, right? I'll use the word, I don't typically use power, authority, right? Like deal with, you know, lead from authority versus influence. And I think we all can get the point where, man, if we're not conscious of what's going on, if we're tired, if we're not taking care of ourselves and our body, that we can snap and easily go to power, right? Or go to this leading by authority. Um, But I'll say I try to, and we as advisors try to stay as healthy as we can and lead through influence. I think where I, I learned this and where my biggest challenge with this was when I went from college pro to certain. So I had spent 10 years at College Pro, three as a franchisee, and then seven years kind of on the corporate side, leading students. And then to go move, and now all of a sudden I'm 32 years old and I'm leading adults on these 10-year franchise agreements who have 20 years more experience than I do. It was like, okay, how am I going to get through that, right? And I even had, I'm interviewing an advisor later today. And one of the things on his application, his concerns was, is I'm a young entrepreneur. How am I going to deal with business owners much older than me? Right. And it's so it's so relevant. Right. Like it's the, he's thinking that as he's coming in to this to the to the interview later today. Um, what I would say, there's there, what com- comes to my mind is earning trust over time. And I know that we, we all share kind of that same language of, hey, what's trust? Character, competence, common sense of purpose. The three C's, character, competence, common sense of purpose. And I think, uh, you know, that character, right? If, if you've got a, an issue with your values, 
you better seriously get that in check and you better have someone that can really, you know, hold you and help you there. Cause that's, it's hard to change your, your value set, but I'll assume that, you know, most of our listeners and people that are, are tuning in here, have a good, a good value set. The final one, uh, common sense of purpose. I think that that one is, you can t- teach that and you can have, coach someone to align with who they're working with or align with their employee or align with their client and, and their customer and have a common sense of purpose. I think confidence is the hardest one. And that was where, you know, I kind of felt coming in, you know, as this young ops guy, you know, was this, how do I show confidence? Because I really don't have it yet. Um, so what I did, and, and I'll throw in a, a suggestion for the listeners out there, is the thing that I did is, I went and visited the most successful franchisees. All right. So this is, I mean, we're talking 15 years ago. I went and saw Dan Mahaney. I saw Jeff Brown. I saw Dave Rankin. Like I went out and I, I met the top achieving franchisees. So then when I started having conversations with the other 20 franchisees that I was automatically just thrown in to start supporting, I wasn't speaking from my experience. I was like, Hey, I was just out in the field with Dave. This is what Dave's doing. Hey, I saw this in Jeff's business. This is what Jeff's doing. Right. And that built some credibility. Um, I had a, had a client, this was a couple of years back, but he was young, young entrepreneur starting, he was a custom pool builder doing about 30, 40 pools a year, about a million bucks. And he had big aspirations. And I, you know, my advice to him was like, you need to go and study the best of the best. Like, you know, who is your competition? Who is an amazing custom pool builder that's not within 300 miles of you? Right. Like, could you reach out to them? Could you pick the somehow get a call with the CEO? Could you go visit that business again if it's not your competitor? Right. And learn about what they're doing. So I think that that's a practical thing that any entrepreneur could do is go study the best of the best in your industry and learn what they're doing. If they're not a direct competitor, go try and get a meeting with them and sit down with them and maybe they'll give you a tour. I mean, you know, years ago we looked at going and touring Zappos because Zappos opens up a tour to everyone. I, you know, uh, went to a session on the, with the Ritz Carlton for two days. It was a session on service excellence, right? Because I wanted to get better at customer service. Well, where do you go? Go to the Ritz. So I went to a two day session with my peer group and, you know, we, we took a ton away from that. So, um, I hope that it kind of answers your question on, I think a trust, I think of building competence. And then the last thing we can dig into if you don't want to or not, but just building relationships over time. And I think there's some things that, you know, business owners can do and that we've done in the past that, you know, can help strengthen those relationships. Yeah, that's great, Jeff. Um, you know, if I come back to, again, some of the key topics I keep learning is like, if you're an entrepreneur and you want to not be on the richest side of the ledger of customers you've fired, but been on this customer ledger where, you know, Jeff loves working with us and we're great at what we do. You know, if you have strong foundation in place, mm-hmm. right? If you know your financials really well and you're locked and loaded, if you seek outside perspective, including go see the best and learn from them mm-hmm. and see what's going on, have advisors, things like that. What would be the next big piece that you'd say I have a strong foundation. I know my financials. I'm seeking outside perspective. What's the one other piece I need in order to be successful in what I'm doing? As a, as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, John. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think you know. I, I think of the word hustle, and I think of the word rest. So, like, once you've got all this in place, you got to go and you got to work hard. You got to hustle, right? Like, you got to you got to put in put in the time. 
but you can't burn yourself out. You can't get off of meaning, right? You, you, you've got to also have that, that time to rest. So being very clear in your calendar and setting boundaries and making sure you have like, again, I'm taking Wednesdays to be more of a strategic and not take meetings, not saying that business owners have to do that, but Hey, can you get two or three hours a week? that you can block out and put your cell phone away and don't take meetings and just use that as a time to catch your breath and be a little more strategic. I think that, so that's what comes to my mind. So, so when you say that though, you say, you know, take a breath and be more strategic. That's very difficult for entrepreneurs to do. They, they, they're running, they want, what's the purpose of being more strategic? What should they be doing in that moment of strategy? Well, I think they've got to get out of the weeds. Right. And that's one of the, the great advantages of working with with us is we force business owners out of the weeds for two, two hour sessions a month because they got to sit down with us and they're paying big bucks. So they're focused that time and energy. We, they're not checking their phone and, and you know, do an email while they're meeting with us because they're writing a hefty check. So it's pulling yourself out of the weeds and looking and going, hey, you know, maybe it's revisiting your vision. Maybe it's going and, and re-looking at your, your customer testimonials or your last, you know, 60 days of survey data. Maybe it's getting a survey out to your internal team of how they're feeling about the, the company culture. But it, it's, it's slowing down and going, hey, what data am I not looking at because I'm just running so faster? How can I look a little further out because I'm, I'm really kind of stuck in what's going on today or what's going on tomorrow? Okay. So I'm pulled out of the weeds. I have this two hour session and now you're talking to me about vision. What are you talking about now? Cause not, not you, I may have a mission for my company. I may have some goals, but what's the difference between that and vision? Uh, so, you know, I, I think vision is a pretty big word. So it means a lot for, for a lot of different people. Like I have my own personal and professional vision that I've worked on and it, you know, I could pull it out here. It's, you know, it's an eight page document. Now I started it in 2013 and it's a living, breathing document in my life. So, you know, with a business owner, you know, we're not going to look at their vision every two weeks, but you know, Hey, we're going to do a quarterly review. We're going to want to pull out your vision. I mean, you guys have had Cam Harold on here with the vivid vision, which was a great book. I read that. I worked with the vivid vision with a client. Uh, we recently had Brian Scudamore from 1-800-GOT-JUMP, junk, 1-800-JUMP, 1-800-GOT-JUMP on with our, our Cultivate community like a week and a half ago, and he's got his painted picture, right? So it's like, hey, let's pull that back out. And again, it's not pulling it out every meeting, but it's like slowing down if you're feeling off the rails or you're feeling off meaning, hey, let's go back to your vision and, and let's ground and let's make some decisions over the next quarter around moving your vision forward. Got it. So, so Jeff... Do you have a, I mean, I'd, I'd hate for you to share your whole eight page vision, although I'm curious, but do you have a method? If I'm listening to this going, okay, I, I have some goals for my business. I have some goals for myself personally, but how would you suggest someone go about starting to create their eight page vision plan for themselves personally and professionally? Awesome. Uh, well, it's not going to be eight pages overnight. It's taken me eight, nine years to get it to that point. So it's probably going to start at two or three pages. Um, I do have kind of a simple process. And if any of the listeners are out there and you want a copy of it, Jeff at cultivateadvisors.com. I'm not hard to find. Jeff, J-E-F-F <laughs> at cultivateadvisors.com. I'll send it to you and I'll send you a, a worksheet. But really it's about just, we've got a, a baseline of questions 
right? And Rich, this is work that you and I did years and years ago together. Like I got to give you kudos for getting this started at Serta. Like I started this when I was in Serta Pro because of you, um, right? And it's it's morphed and it's changed and it's uh, you know evolved for me. But it's just starting with a bunch of great questions that we can serve on a silver platter to you and say, hey, go start answering these questions to really get you thinking, get you out of the weeds. And from there, so it's answer questions and then write a personal and a professional vision for yourself. And some people that I've worked with, that's two lines for each. Some of them, it's paragraphs. Me, it's a bunch of bullet forms on a sheet of paper of what my personal and professional uh, vision is. The next thing is going and creating a bucket list for yourself. And this was one thing, again, I kudos back to my Serta Pro days. When Mike Stone came in to be the, you know, the new president, he sat down with all 54 employees and said, hey, I want to go through your bucket list with you. And I was like, well, I don't have a bucket list. Well, I guess I better write one to get ready for my call with Mike. So I wrote a bucket list. And it's amazing to go back and look at that bucket list that was in 2015 that I first created that. And to go what kind of things have personally and professionally on that bucket list have happened. All right. Um, and then, you know, kind of the final piece is you've got to put time in your calendar to review it every year. So we could go in our, my calendar and look. And it's, it's at some point in July. I do it kind of mid-year. I'll go and do a review of my vision. I'll look back at it. So it's a two, three-hour chunk in my calendar. And then I'll pull it out again when I'm doing my annual planning. So I look at my vision, you know, twice a year. I do pull it up when I'm sharing with clients or giving them examples or whatnot because, I, you know, I'm open to share it with clients and whatnot. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, I go, thanks to Rich for bringing this to CertaPro that got me on the path. Because for me, it's it's been a game changer and I've been able to take it and help so many else, other business owners and people that I work with over the years. Thanks for that. And I want to get some tangible listeners could do something next with maybe each of the propellers, if you okay. wouldn't mind. and. It doesn't need to be a you know an an eight piece list, but yes. if there was one thing, and I'll kind of guide you through each of the propellers if you don't mind. If there was one thing in each one that you go, every entrepreneur should do this in financials. What's mm-hmm. the one thing when they hit the stop button on this podcast they should go do? I'll do. Okay, I'm going to cheat here, Rich, uh, because as we know, I like to be prepared. And when I get a question that I'm not prepared, all right, I, I tend to get a little, you know, a little flustered. So I'm just, I just opened up our website, right? That you asked that. And we've got the six propellers and there's literally one thing under each of them. Okay? Amazing. So, so go look at the website, cultivateadvisors.com. But I know you didn't know that by you know, asking that yeah. question, but literally. So when if you look at financials, that's the, the start of it, it says increase profits, right? And there's a little blurb on what you can do. Like, how can you increase profits, whether it's looking at your, your, your cost per, you know, your, your contribution margin, whether it's looking at your overhead, but that's usually where you're going to go first is what am I making per widget and what's my overhead, right? So go look at that. Um, the, the sales is build a sales team. So like, if you're going to take your business to the next level, you've got to put salespeople in place. So again, whether that's, if, depending on where you are in your entrepreneur journey, you may already have 14 salespeople. It's like, okay, how can you take your sales team to the next level? Like focus on, on, on your sales team. If you don't, if you're a, you know, a solo entrepreneur right now, go you know, start putting in the work to bring on that first salesperson. Marketing is building a lead engine, right? So how can you, what systems do you need to set in place so you know you're going to get enough leads each and every month? 
Um, recruiting is around, you know, recruiting talent. So going, okay, what is the next person I need to bring on my team to grow? Do I have a job description? Do I have a training plan to be able to bring that next person on? Because I see your business owners all the time will start recruiting for a position and they don't even have a training plan put together, right? They don't even have, you know, a, a, you know, any sort of uh, reward plan or, or anything. It's like, no, I'm going to go find this person. Well, how are you going to even interview them if you don't have all that laid out? No, a talent person is going to come to you and go, hey, so what's training look like? And you'd be like, well, we'll figure it out once I bring the person on, right? Like that doesn't work. Um, so that's recruitment. Leadership is really thinking about, I think, first yourself. Like maybe you need to get a 360 on yourself, all right, on just what, where's your leadership at? If you've done that recently, then I would say like, hey, how can you go and take the next step with developing your own leaders? You guys had a great, uh, a great uh, guest on couple of weeks ago, jump coach. Uh, like I listened to that. I went to his website, like his four goals and nine jobs. And I sent that to some clients and I sent that to, to, to our leader team. And I'm like, Hey, just listen to this. It's good food for thought. Right. So it's like, that was a way that I was trying to help kind of develop leaders. And then just productivity is the last one. Just what's one step that you could use to be more productive tomorrow, whether that's using your calendar, whether that's a to-do list, whether that's delegating something that you don't really need to do. Um, but just be more productive, make more out of your tomorrow. Jeff, unfortunately, you can't be so prepared for a podcast. So I am going to ask you five quick questions to end oh, this no. podcast that you cannot be prepared for. This makes me really, really right. uncomfortable. You ready? First thing that comes to mind, I'll start okay. easy on you. Start okay. easy. Who is your biggest influence or biggest influencer? Uh, I would go back to my coaching days and I would say Tim Clark. And uh, Tim Clark was who to you specifically? So he was who uh, helped me become an examiner within first service and gave me my, just my strong foundation of coaching and supporting people and genuinely doing whatever you need to do to help them be successful. Awesome. The best book you've read that you think every entrepreneur needs to read. Uh, I'm reading it right now. Compound effect. Darren Hardy, and I've started to listen to Darren Hardy dailies, uh, which have been uh, been pretty cool. So that's a, a new one, but I'm, I'm into that one right now. The other one that I love to recommend, uh, Essentialism uh, by McCowan, is another great book if you're like uh, just on, am I focused on the right thing? Uh, Eat That Frog if you struggle with productivity. And the uh, Six Habits, uh, Six uh, High Performance Habits by Brendan Bouchard is another one I've read in a few years, but it's, it's a keeper. Wow. Awesome. Okay. That that's fantastic. Compound effect. That's a new one. I heard not heard of uh, before I go look that up. Um, the most important thing of all the things we've talked about, if an entrepreneur needs to do one thing to be successful, what's that one thing out of all the things we've talked about? Uh, community. I, I think like you need outside perspective. Um, I think like when I go in, when I go bike with a couple of people, like I always bike faster when I'm in community with people, right? They help hold you accountable. So I think you need outside perspective and you need community. Don't do it alone. That's the biggest mistake that a business owner is trying to figure it all out on their own. You don't need to do that. And ask for help. Like people actually like to help. Like like people enjoy, you give joy to people by asking them for help because they feel meaning. They feel like they're making a difference. So go ask someone for help. Awesome. 
you guys talked a little bit about 50% play, 50% work when you guys go do some experiences. And I was sitting here li- talking, listening to you guys talk about your experiences, getting all jealous. You're doing a retreat with your team. What's the best destination and experience you ever had with your team? Best destination and experience. Wow. Not the people uh, you were with, but the destination and the experience. Yeah. I mean, the mountains in Colorado are amazing. Uh, the Grand Canyon is one of my favorite places on earth. I've done a couple meetings with my team in Hawaii. You can never go wrong there. Uh, so if, uh, Utah is also a phenomenal place. Um, so I would say those are those are the big ones that I go. And it's all because I love the outdoors. And, you know, I love those kind of environments. How about, to be more specific, the best team building experience you've ever had? Not a destination, but what did you guys do? What was the best team building experience? Oh, my goodness. Um, Putting me on the spot, I I struggle with the best because I don't want to forget something that, you know, I thought was really... One of the best. One of the most memorable best that you would say, if you have a chance to do this with your team, go do this. You know, something that was really fun we did recently was throwing axes. I think that that's probably an easy practical one it's competitive but you don't have to be an athlete to do it it's a lot of fun and i mean it's just a cool cool activity so for our our listeners out there if you want to add that into your next team building event go throw some axes you'll enjoy it awesome and i'm hoping this last one's an easy one will you come back and be a guest on our podcast again yeah with with notice so i can redo my notes and and make sure that i've got no notes next time we're calling you no notes let's go (laughs) I'll, I'll tell you, I was up at 5 a.m. on Saturday because I told Rich, I said, I'll get you some thoughts on Saturday. And I wake up at 5, 5.30 on Saturday, not being able to get back to sleep because of knowing I had to come on and, and meet with you guys. So um, I really appreciate being able to be here and share. I, again, I have faith that someone's listening to it. I mean, you know, I hope that my kids listen to this, right? And, and maybe this is a legacy that I'm, I'm leaving to, to my three wonderful tri- children, Morgan, David, and Maggie, that they're listening to this at some point and be like, hey, you know, dad was fun and, and dad made an impact in the world. And so maybe maybe this is part of that. I'm sure it will. And uh, much appreciate you being on. And I'll double down on John's question on having you back again at some point. So thank you again for being on today. I appreciate it, gentlemen. Thanks very much. Please stick around for a few more minutes while Rich and I break down this episode. John, I think we have a, a in-person podcast to do, several of them. Uh, one in the Colorado mountains, one in the Grand Canyon, one in Hawaii, one in Utah. What do you think? Yeah, I want to go four-wheeling in Utah. I thought that the sand dune sounded really cool. It was. You know, it, it is funny. We're in the process of planning an executive retreat. Uh, so it's a little selfish question, but we're planning executive retreat for September. And I was actually fishing around for some ideas of being a little selfish there. But I really love that idea you know, we've talked about this for years. He said, you know, earning trust over time, you kind of somewhat alluded to relationships are build, built with experiences over time, right? And sometimes they're good experiences. Sometimes they're not so good experiences, but relationships are built through those experiences, having more and more of them. And we do have to get out of the mechanics of sometimes getting a team together and it being all work and, oh, let's throw in a happy hour at the end. Uh, versus being, no, we're going to go build a relationship together and we'll do some work while we're building a relationship or after we're building a relationship. But that being the primary focus of getting together. And that is so important now, especially with the Zoom world we're living in today. How are teams going to build relationships is exactly by doing the formula that Jeff talked about in this episode. You know, I don't remember if 
you and I made this up, if I made it up, if we heard it, if you made it up, but it, it's been years since, uh, back since we were working together 25 years ago, that I remember we looked at relationships were number and variety of experiences. Mm-hmm. It was that formula, that number of experiences and variety of experiences equaled the quality of the relationship. And it breaks down as with number of experiences, there are people who we see every day, whether it be neighbors, whether it be uh, colleagues, whether it be vendors, there are people we see every day, but the only time we see them is in the exact same type of venue. I would venture to say those are not your best friends. Then you've got people who you don't see very often. They're like your once a year friend back from college or whenever it was. I mean, you don't see them very often, but you do all sorts of fun stuff when you see each other. But it's like once a year, once every three years, I'd venture to say that's not your best friend. The people who you make really good relationships, and it's not about making best friends. It's about relationships with customers and colleagues and making friends. But the people you make the best relationships with are ones who you have a high number of experiences and a high variety. And it sounds like one of the things Jeff continues to do, and he did when we worked together, is he added that variety piece in at these offsites through play, his 50% play and 50% work, and that enhanced the relationships. Yep. I'm going to number of experiences, the variety of experiences, and then maybe even the volatility of those experiences <laughs> because uh, you're right. Like, isn't it funny when, you, when you're saying that I can think of so many times that I just assumed that person A and person B were so close because they've been working together for years or they've been around each other for years. Come to find out they barely have any relationship at all. They barely know anything about each other. Uh, they just, they're just present together all the time. Whereas if you have a variety of experiences, there are different kinds of experiences and there's different emotions you experience with them. Like you and I have had experiences all over the map. Uh, you know, you built that, those relationships that are so strong that are they're hard to break. And even though we haven't seen each other all that much over the past you know, few years personally, and then had those experiences together, that bond is so strong. So really agree with that. You know, again, you know, a few weeks ago, we had somebody we brought on the episode that was one of your coaches, somebody who's, you know, executive coach for you. In this particular episode, we brought on somebody you used to work with and for, I believe, for a good amount of time. And somebody that I know, I remember at one point uh, being with you in Chicago and uh, you talking very highly of this individual. I hadn't even met him yet. Um, You've seemed like you've learned a lot from Jeff. What would be the one thing? And it doesn't have to be anything that was in this episode, but maybe it is. What's the biggest takeaway you got from being mentored by him while you guys were working together? Hmm. You know, I hate to play uh, semantics for a moment, but I will. You mentioned that I had worked with and for him. And I think that's one of the fundamental things I've learned from Jeff is Jeff never made me feel ever that I was working for him. I was working with him is how he made me feel. Yes, he was my direct supervisor. He had the authority to, whether it be write me up or uh, he had control of promoting for um, advancement in the company or title changes or pay, uh, but he never used that. That was never a leverage point. It was always influence first. It was never power-based. I never, ever, ever felt like I was working for him. 
and his vision. I was working for myself and my vision. And I happen to have a really good direct supervisor who's a really good coach who could equip me to hit what I wanted. He did what several of our guests have talked about, where you make the the client in the story the hero. He always allowed me to play the role of the hero in my own story of my career, rather than I was working for and a servant of him being the hero for his career. And I think that's one of the key lessons. And I keyed in on it when you said that a moment ago. And then that to follow up with that question, like, what an opportunity to expand on that. Yeah, that's that's awesome. And the definition of a servant leader is what you know I would probably also call it. And it's also fun to hear in this episode how he talked about some of the things he learned from you to your to the exact amplify the point that you just made, including your vision book or your bucket list book that I think is still in the cabinet behind you right now uh, that you know you developed twenty some years ago, right? Of of uh, different visions and and bucket lists that you had, and the fact that he was able to take things away from you. I sure want to uh, take him up on what his simple process is, the worksheet he has for mm. personal vision planning and those great questions. And, you know, certainly uh, if, you know, I think you also challenged me in the past on this bucket list concept. And although I think I have a couple of uh, notes here and there on things I want to do, uh, it is an important thing to do. It gives you definitely some, some excitement and perspective on for sure. Um the six propellers, I thought, Rich, just to kind of go to tif- different direction altogether, I thought were really strong. I know he was reading from the website that he had there prepared, but I, I wrote down all of them and they're all spot on. And to have a coach help you walk through those as a business owner, I think are really important. Yeah. And how cool that on the website that he was taking a look at, it was built with that very question that I had in mind that uh, a novice to cultivate would say, so like, what do you mean by sales? Like, what would I do with you guys when it comes to sales? And I said, you know, team focus. Well, what would I do with you guys when it comes to leadership? Well, work on yourself first, then work on others. So yeah, he went to the website because they have absolute clarity on the answer to that question. And they're clearly over communicating that clarity by having it posted for everybody to see on how to work those six propellers. Yep. Yeah. It was, it was such an easy you know, thing for him to be able to say, here's the first thing you should be worried about. Here's the first thing you should be thinking about in each of those areas. And, you know, kind of fit a little bit into his entrepreneurial journey, right? The five stages, hustler, experimenter, visionary, systemizer, influencer. I really like that. And it seems to me like, you know, Jeff is certainly at that influencer stage himself as an individual, as well as his business with Cultivate in terms of where they're trying to lead these entrepreneurs. And, you know, to me, when I think about, and I know you know that I love this, but when he said the first thing we talk about is your financials and how strong your financial balance sheet is, it's kind of, okay, this is a different kind of advisor to me. It's not, you know, the entrepreneurial executive coach on leadership. They focus a little bit more on the business fundamentals in addition to the personal fundamentals and foundation. Well, I'll say it in a slightly different way than what Jeff said. Uh, but it's the same sentiment. People don't go out of business because they are poor at sales or poor at marketing or poor at recruiting or poor at leadership or poor at productivity. Businesses go out of business for one reason only. They can't pay the bills. They don't have enough cash or credit. So he talked about that as being the heart. And the heart, as we know, in a human being, like you can't live without a heart, but you can live without an arm. 
you know, you could live with mediocre sales if everything else is great, but you can't live without a heart. Like, I think it's genius to start with financials where the biggest liability is in the business and then start to work on the rest of the body of the business.